Hey, good morning. Good to see you here today. My name is uh, Rich Doring. If I've not met you, I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at uh, Real Life. And happy Father's Day to all those dads and all those that had a dad. Who had a dad? Okay. Okay. So, happy Father's Day. There's some stuff outside uh, as you leave today, guys. If you didn't have an opportunity to grab that, I want to encourage you to grab that on the way out. Just a, a way to bless you today. So, Hey, um, we're in this series that uh, we started last week called One Another. So, Pastor Rich, are we really, like, going to spend two months on these one another's in scriptures? Yes, we are. Pastor Rich, seriously, you know, I don't come to church because of other people. I come to church to focus on God. I don't want to look at other people. I want to I connect with God. That's fantastic. That's good. Pastor Rich, can we talk about how to get better connected to God? Why do we have to talk about getting connected to one another? I want to get better connected to God. That's, that's what we're doing. Pastor Rich, by talking about the one another's, can I just love God? And while we're at it, Pastor Rich, how long are you going to stand up there and talk to yourself because it's getting uncomfortable? Probably nine out of ten people who attend church, if you ask them, why in the world would you give up an hour, hour and a half or so on a Sunday morning to go sit in a room full of other people? Why, why would you do that? And nine out of ten are going to say, well, I do that because I want to connect more with God. I want to connect more with God. Now, I've been your pastor for about a, a year and a half, roughly, at this point, and you, you probably have noticed that we've talked a lot, a lot, and we still talk a lot about what it looks like to live this life out together as one. Uh, how do we serve with one another, love one another? How do, we, how do we do this together? We talk a lot about relationships, talk about keeping short accounts with people, talk about all those kinds of different things. And there's a very specific reason that we've done that, because we live in a divided time. And we live in a time where the enemy does want to divide the church. I mean, the enemy would love nothing more than for you and I just to really not one another one another well, okay? Uh, because any division at all gives the appearance that God's losing. And God is not going to lose, okay? We know this. And we have the opportunity to be the body of Christ that looks like Jesus. But it can't happen unless we're one, unless we're united. And the reality is this. And you'll see it on the screen. Our connection with God, your connection with God, will increase, will grow, as you're more connected to one another. That's just kind of how God designed this, okay? Our mission in this church is to love God, love people, and serve the world. My personal temptation is to want to look at those as three independent statements. Love God, love people, serve the world. Hey, that love God part, awesome. And you know, it, it really feels good to serve the world. I'll go out and do some nice stuff, but the people part, man, that's like messy. People are gross. People are messed up. I'm messed up, okay? So it, it gets sticky. And, and the problem with this is those three things are not mutually exclusive. They're all intrinsically tied together. They're connected, okay? And to understand this, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at one of the most powerful illustrations, I think, in the New Testament. Uh, Hannah read a large chunk of that 
uh, this morning. You're going to hear more about that throughout this message, but this is probably one of the most descriptive, one of the most accurate, and one of the most specific illustrations about what the church looks like. And we find it from the Apostle Paul. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, not much has changed in regards to this since Paul first wrote this. You and I, uh, we carry a phone in our pockets. I got my phone in my back pocket right now. You would have told me 25 years ago when I started in ministry that I would stand on a platform one day in front of people with a phone in my back pocket. I would have been like, well, not this guy. I got a phone in my back pocket. And there's a reason. I just didn't want to leave it on my chair. But, but mostly, we're connected to one another. We can't seem to put down that need to be connected. Okay? And so 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is one of the most comprehensive statements about connecting with one another. And ultimately, we're going to kind of move around in it, but ultimately it's really summarized in verse 27. Verse 27, you can see it on the screen. Now you, that's you, me, are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So a body has members, parts. Each one of us is individually one of those parts, but we all form one, one body. So Paul uses something I think we can all identify with, and here's the challenge. You and I know that sometimes your head says, this is what we're going to do. But then your body says, yeah, we're not going to do that. Like last year, I'll use my, I'll throw myself under the bus. Rich, we're going to run the Chicago Marathon. And my body at the eight mile mark said, yeah, no, we're not. We're not going to do that. My back said, yeah, I'm checking out. So, I mean, if everybody else wants to try, you can do that if, you're, if you want. But uh, ultimately, it got to the point where my body said, yeah, we're not going to do that. And I had to go to the doctor. Because that's what you do. When your head is telling you, this is what we need to do, and the body is not able to do it or is broken or is not working properly, you end up going to the doctor. Because something is wrong. The body is sick. So if the body is not doing what the head tells us to do, we're sick. I mean, it's, it is really as simple as that. Something's not fitting. Something's not working right. Okay? So scripture is really, really clear. Number one, we are the body. Jesus is the head. You and I are the body. Jesus is the head. And the members of the body of Christ are interconnected parts pulling off together what the head tells us to do. That's about as simple as it gets. Furthermore, each part chooses, you and I actually choose to be identified with and to be involved with a local body of believers. We're living together in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, one with another. So not only does he tell us that we are the parts of the body that are connected, okay, we're, we're the body, but it's actually a choice. We each individually make choices to be connected, to be engaged, to be involved with that local expression of the body of Jesus Christ in the world we find ourselves in, okay? Or, or we don't. We can make that choice not to. It's a choice. So why are we talking about this? Loving God more, 
connecting to God more will not happen if we're disconnected from the rest of the body. It just does not take place. Uh, At the risk of sounding like a, a simpleton, I guess, showing up for worship, like what we're doing right now, as, as good as that is, and as important as that is, does not mean that you're connected to the body of Christ. Did you know that? Showing up for worship does not mean that you're connected. I hope you get that. So let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever watched five-year-olds play soccer? Okay, put your hands down because none of us have ever seen a team of five-year-olds play soccer. That is not what they're doing out there. There may be one or two five-year-olds out there playing soccer. There's not a team of five-year-olds out there playing soccer. You've got the one kid over there, finger up the nose, doing whatever he's doing over there. you got these girls over here trading bar rats and all that kind of stuff. Then you've got these kids over here who seem, the ball's over here, but they're racing and then like high-fiving each other because they run so fast. And all this stuff is going on. And usually there's two or three kids that are always around the ball and it's going everywhere, including out of bounds multiple times in the same exact spot. But then there's always, there is always one kid. And if your kid is that superstar five-year-old, that's great, wonderful. But there's always that one kid on the team who like is off in the corner. And usually they're the one that has like the nicest shin guards on, they got the shoes, they got the special water bottle that they need to drink out of even though they're not doing anything. And they stand over there in protest. They're not going to play. They're on the field. It does not mean, if the ball comes by, they're like, they just stand there and you're like, come on, Johnny, come on, you can do it. And they just stand there in protest. They're not going to play the game. It doesn't matter how much you try to get them to do it. It doesn't matter how much you yell. It doesn't matter how great the shoes are that you put on the kid. The kid's not going to play until the game is won and it's time to go get ice cream. We won. We won. Okay. Now, that's a really crude example and probably not 100% accurate, but just being on the field does not mean that you're playing the game. Are you following me? Uh, I mean, if if showing up in this building, honestly, uh, for an hour a week is all there is to being the church, I mean, I could find other things to do. Isn't there some other stuff that you could be doing right now? If this is it, if this is all it means to be connected to the body of Christ, there's other things that we could be doing. So just being here doesn't mean you're connected because God's going to work in and through your life as you're connected to the body, one with another. God's going to do some things as you're connected to the body of Christ. This This is why it's so rare to find a church where this actually happens. I have a thought for why that is. Maybe it's the same reason people attend a church for so long, but never take certain steps, whether it's membership or jumping into a life group or different things like that. Is, is, there's, there's multiple reasons people have for not doing those things. Um, each week that we are in this series, we're having different people share, and at this time I ask Nick and Courtney Kilrain if they would uh, join me up here. Uh, Nick and Courtney recently became members of the church, actually last week, 
And, uh, and I want you just to hear a little bit of their story as they come up here and share. Uh, Nick and Courtney uh, live closer to the church than I do. They live right across the parking lot. So uh, come on over and uh, would you welcome them as they come and share? Good morning. My name is Nick. And I'm Courtney. Um, we've been attending Real Life since late last year. Um, actually, we bought a home, Pastor Rich was saying, that literally backs up to the church um, over there, I think, um, when uh, in the midst of the pandemic in November of 2020, and I was 25 weeks pregnant with our daughter. Um, once she was born in March of last year, we continued to watch church from home for several months, you know, in the midst of what was going on. Um, as things started opening up again, we felt um, it on our hearts to become connected to a local church and to be able to call it our church home. Um, while I was washing dishes one day, I actually looked up out the window at the church and, and yelled out to Nick. I'm like, hey, why don't we try out this one? And <laughs> I, said, I said, sure, why not? And ever since then, we have been attending, and like Pastor Rich said, we became members recently. Being connected to a local church is extremely important. Uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12 12, 14, and uh, 27 says, just as, the uh, just as a body through one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews, Gentiles, slaves, or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many now. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. God calls us to be connected. We are not meant to do life alone. The church is the body of Christ, and each, each believer in Christ is a part of the body. God has made each of us with unique skills and talents uh, and wants us to use them to bless others. As Nick and I both felt a tug on our hearts to become connected to a local church, Real Life opened, welcomed us with open arms. Both Pastor Rich and Pastor Ben helped us become connected. We are going to be joining a life group shortly. We attended the lunch with pastors and got to meet church staff. We attended the Membership Matters course with Pastor Rich. We attended the recent Railcats game and got to spend time with other church members. Real Life has a plethora of activities going on if you'd like to get connected. There are life groups, care ministry, working at the community garden, just recently, there was VBS, and the party on the block is coming up on July 3rd, to name a few. Ever since attending Real Life, our family has received the message, you are wanted, you are loved, and you belong here. Uh, it has been a beautiful thing to experience this connection in the church, and we hope you all are experiencing it, too. Thanks. <clears throat> Paul's metaphor of the body has huge ramifications if you really take the time to think through it. Uh, for example, verses 15 through 17. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, and you can see, like, this is totally ridiculous, like you would go this far. But he's, he's trying to get this point. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? The whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? 
But as it is, God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? Where would the body be? Paul is saying you and I being connected, us being connected to the body is not just about you, actually. It's not about you just being connected to the body. You're connecting or you're not connecting to the body actually has an impact on other people. It affects other parts of the body. You're not an only child. Verses 21 through 23 says, The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestowed the greater honor. So the truth of this is, number three, every part of the body is important. Every part. Everybody say every part. Every part. Every part is important. There is no insignificant part of the body of Christ. Now, that does not mean every single member has the same responsibility in the body of Christ. It doesn't mean that every single member has the same gifts in the body of Christ. But there is no one part of the body that is more important than any other part. They're not treated differently. Okay? Now, you and I, and, and this is just kind of the world that we live in, even the church culture that we live in, we usually place the highest value on the things that we see. And I know we don't want to admit that, but that's just kind of how we've been trained. We're, we're consumers in a way. Okay, so we tend to say, wow, we see that. That's a very visible thing, so we want to put a big value on the things that we see. And we tend to place the highest value sometimes on the people that we see doing the things that we see. Okay. Sometimes people who want to be seen and want to have value in the eyes of others know that. They know that if I'm going to see, be seen as somebody with value, then I need to be seen. My experience is that some of the most undervalued parts of the body are the ones that aren't seen. The ones that aren't seen. Um, in fact, I don't know if she's in here right now, but we're just going to embarrass her because that's what I do. Deb Snowder has been the custodian slash facilities person slash pick up everybody's garbage slash do everything in this church forever for the last 30 plus years. And she does an amazing job. And most everybody in this shares a whole lot of people that don't know who she is. But the things that you and I enjoy as we walk into this building, most of those are due to Deb's diligence. And she works behind the scenes. She works behind the scenes. The people who do not get the attention. For every person that you see on this platform, as important as what this is, okay, there's five other people doing things that nobody knows anything about. Okay. And for every act of connection that happens within these walls, there's a hundred, and if there's not, there should be a hundred more connections with people happening outside of these walls. If the only thing we do as a church is get together for an hour a week, and we're not the church outside of this building, we have a big problem. The body is sick. The body is sick. Okay. Every member of the body is important. We have a we have a corner of our bed um, that in the middle of the night, if I get up to go to the restroom, 
the straight shot that way. If I get out, there's a corner of our bed that loves to reach out and grab my pinky toe in the middle of the night. You ever had that happen? So when that happens, you learn things about yourself, like you can scream without opening your mouth. Like you learn all kinds of things when that happens. What you also learn is that when that part hurts, your eyes hurt, your head hurts, every part of your body hurts. So if you think there's an insignificant member like your pinky toe, I mean, what in the world are you there for? I'm just there to remind you that we're all one here, okay? There are no insignificant parts, no insignificant parts. There is no member that is more important than another. So let me say that again. And I want you to listen very closely because I'm not sure that's always been everybody's experience. There is no member more important than any other member. Ever. There's a passage. It's in James chapter 2. I don't know if you ever read a passage and you're just like, James chapter 2, James is addressing a church that evidently had this issue going on where, to put it plainly, it's pay to play. You had people who had money, people who had wealth, they showed up and their wealth seemed to gain them influence. And people who did not have those things were treated differently. They were treated differently. So it was kind of this idea that, hey, I drop a check in, I gain influence. And James tells us that then when the poor began to come into the church, they were seated in the back. They were given secondary treatment. Preferential treatment was, though, given to those who had more, who had more. When rich people came in, they were given special treatment. So in verses 2 through 4 in James chapter 2, it says this, if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man with shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in the good place. It's so great that you're here. While you say to the poor man, hey, can you stand over there? Sit down over here. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So why were certain people given privileges? This is money, baby. Money. No one no one is to look down on another part of the body because they appear to lack perceived value as the world would dictate value. You and I operate with a different set of marching orders. That is not us. Today is Juneteenth. It's a day that we do. We celebrate the chains of injustice being broken where true freedom needs to be celebrated for everyone. But it's an also painful reminder of why there is a need to have this celebration to begin with. Because the need at the root of it all is that there's this reality that there have been human beings, even in the eyes of the church, the church has been complicit in this, that have been ascribed less value than others, less deserving of equal treatment, equal rights, equal access, equal mental capacity. I mean, we, we, another truth is that there's still work to be done. And in so many ways, the church ought to be the one leading the charge in all of it. 
God calls the categorization of people for what it is. It's sin. It's sin. And sin leads to, according to Scripture, death. Sin leads to death. No wonder there are so many bodies of Christ dying today. It's sin. In fact, I think God would actually encourage you and I to connect with some person that you normally wouldn't. Or even this, even somebody who can do nothing for you in return. Do you ever give your time and energy to anybody who can do nothing for you back? Because why are you, why, why, because they are a part of the family and don't you think that God might want to use them in your life to make you more like Jesus too? All of that to say, the more you want to connect with the head, the more you need to connect with one another in the body. And the more you're connected to one another in the body, the more you're going to be connected to the head. It's called the body of Christ. And it requires us to be connected to one another, regardless of the perceived value of the other parts. Now, God tells us that all the parts have value. So the question is, and we're, we're kind of focusing on this question throughout this entire series, the question is this. What do I need to surrender? What do you need to surrender to connect to one another better? What, what right now prohibits you from connecting in the body of Christ or connecting to other people in the body of Christ better than you are right now? What needs to be surrendered in your life? And I can't really answer that fully for you. I mean, I've got some ideas. You know, we have a very, very strong spirit of individualism uh, in our culture that says, you know, I, I determine this, I determine that, this is about me, 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 and that idea that I don't need anybody else, that, that it's really all up to me, can kind of pervade some things. So maybe you need to surrender some of that individualism and realize that that's a very self-focused thing. We talked about this. You're not a, you're not a, you know, you're not a, a single child. You're just, you're, you're a part of a family. Maybe that individualism needs to be sacrificed. Or maybe it's just autonomy. Listen, I've been in settings before where it feels really good to be able to walk into a place and nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows who I am. I don't have that privilege often anymore, but I can the ability to walk into a room and realize there's not a single person who knows who I am right now, there's like this, okay, that autonomy, that that ability just to kind of be invisible, to slip in the back and slip out really, really quick before I get back there. I know who you are. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that ability just to be invisible, maybe that needs to be surrendered. Maybe you need to be known. I'd like to know you. Maybe it's comfortability. I think that's probably a big one. Because here's the deal. People are messy. People are messy. It's a whole lot more comfortable because you know your own drama, but then when all of a sudden you gotta start getting to know other people's drama too, and then their drama starts messing with your drama, and all that kind of stuff starts happening, yeah, it's, it's a whole lot more comfortable not to connect and to be able just to kind of keep all that stuff at arm's length, slide in, slide out, slide in, slide out, and you just kind of keep everything on the periphery. I get that, I totally understand. But then there does come a moment where you do have to step in both feet and say, these are my people. This is the body of Christ that I believe is living out the mission of Jesus Christ in the community I live in, 
And I want to be associated with that body. I want to be seen as connected to that body. There come those moments where you make those commitments. I want to talk to you about something. There's, a, there's another opportunity, and there's a lot of different ways to connect to the body, and I thought about all the different stuff that we could talk to you about, life groups. There's a lot of you jumping into life groups right now. It's amazing. We need some life group leaders, so if you're interested, hit me up, hit Kathy Peterson up, Patterson up, uh, whatever we got to do to, to help you become a life group leader. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of different ways to connect. I want to talk to you for a second about church membership. So can we just be real for a second? Uh, and, and this might be hitting a nerve for some of you. I don't know. But I want to talk to you about church membership. I am Generation X through and through. And what that means is when it comes to the man, I want to stick it to him. When it comes to the idea of being a part of an organized thing, my radar goes up and I'm like, yeah, what do you want from me? My blood? You want, what do you want, a kidney? I, I mean, Seriously. So, I mean, there's a big part of me that just is very standoffish to those kinds of things, those contractual kind of a things. Until I began to think in the words uh, more like covenant. Covenant. And I entered a marriage covenant with my wife. Like, I, I made some commitments to her, some promises to her in, in front of a bunch of people, in front of God. She did the same to me. And we entered into a covenant together. And now the rest of our life is living out the significance of what that covenant entails. I I said I would promise to love her regardless of her health or whatever happens in our lives. I don't know what I was saying back in 1996. But I know what that means today, 26 years later, right? You're living out the fullness of that covenant that you made, the very public covenant. And one of the realities in our church is there's a lot of people that are a part of the body of Christ in this church that have never officially joined as a member of the church. Now, I know all the arguments, okay? Um, Nowhere in Scripture does it say, thou shalt attend Pastor Rich's membership matters course. It does not say that, not even in the King James Version, okay? It doesn't say it anywhere. I totally understand that. It also doesn't say a whole lot of other things, like church services are always at 9 and 11, Nowhere did Jesus say, that's the only time it counts, okay? There's there's a whole lot of things that we do that you can't find the line item for in Scripture. And there's a reason membership emerged in the history of the church. And I I understand it's been abused. I understand all kinds of different stuff. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. If If you've been sitting here for a while and you've never really thought that I, I just don't like that. Uh, I want to encourage you to jump in the Membership Matters course. I'm also not a high-pressure salesman. If you go through that course and you're like, yeah, membership's not for me, that's awesome. That's, that's okay. That's all right. Um, there are certain things that we do in the life of this church, though, that our bylaws dictate. Uh, for instance, and this is just an assumption on my part, there's probably a whole lot of people in this room, and there's a whole lot of people... Um, that attend this church, who when it came time to vote whether or not I could be your pastor, did not have that privilege. I hope you're okay that I'm your pastor. But you couldn't vote. Because there are bylaws in place that dictate that you need to be a member of the church. Somebody who's put themselves under the authority a little bit of the church 
and the accountability more so of the church. Uh, if this church decided that we needed to take out a little bit of money in order to do something to our facility, uh, in order to expand something maybe out in the field, if, whatever it is, I'm just thinking out loud, you have to be a church member to be able to vote to incur debt. You also have to be a church member to be able to vote to sell any property. We have two parsonages on our property. I don't know if you know where I live. I live on the back, on the other side of the back 40 back there. <clears throat> but we have, we have a couple houses back there. If we ever decided, hey, it would be advantageous for us to sell one of those and use those funds in a different way to help something else or whatever, you have to be a church member to be able to vote for those things. That's just a, a part of our bylaws. I can't change that. But then there's the other reality of what it means to be able to stand in front of people and say, hey, um, I'm submitting myself to this body of Christ in a very public way, in a very public way. And it's very covenantal. I want to share something with you. Uh, these are in the back if you want to pick one up as you leave. There's some on the, the welcome desk in the front. But um, in our church, we have something called the membership covenant. I just want to read it for you really quickly so that you can understand this isn't I'm going to give my firstborn. This is not any of that stuff. But it's very simple, and it has to do with your attitudes and your actions. So having professed my faith in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, being in agreement with Real Life Community Church of the Nazarene's belief and mission, I've been led by the Holy Spirit to publicly unite with this body of Christ in membership. In doing so, I commit myself to maintain the following five attitudes and the following three actions. Now, as I read these, would you think about these in the context of one another's? Okay. Number one, I will love the other members. These are proactive statements, because here's what I can tell you. You're going to meet people in this church, it might be me. You're like, I'm going to have a hard time loving that person. I don't like them. Am I supposed to love them? This is you making a proactive statement that regardless, I'm going to choose to love the other members. Number two, I'll accept the other members. Scripture says accept one another just as Christ accepted who? You. I will make a decision right now that I'm going to accept the other people, the other members of this church. Number three, this is a big one. I will forgive the other members. This is a proactive decision that you would be making because I can guarantee I will be somebody you need to forgive. I'm gonna, listen, I, I, my mom raised me, so I, I, I'm my mom's son. There's something that's going to come out of my mouth at some point. You're like, okay, I'm just going to forgive him right now. Okay. But deciding beforehand, I know that there's going to be people I'm going to have to forgive. And choosing proactively, I will forgive. I will serve the other members. I will encourage the other members. Sounds pretty good. But then you have these actions. I will cooperate. I'll cooperate. I'll protect the unity and release personal bias on minor issues to cooperate with our church's leaders to fulfill our common vision and mission. The second one, I will participate. I'll find a place of service, become an active participant in ministry. This last one is probably usually the one that raises people's rancor just a little bit. But if you'll stick around with me through August and understand what we mean when we talk about biblical stewardship, 
hopefully you'll understand this a little bit better, but number three, I'll contribute. I will contribute to the ministry and influence of real life by attending faithfully and giving regularly. I'll love, accept, forgive, serve, encourage the other members, and I'll cooperate, participate, and contribute. There's something to be said about standing in front of a group of people saying, please just bear with me, okay? Regardless of who the person is standing up here delivering a sermon on Sunday, regardless of who the person is that's leading worship in a service, regardless of who the person is that's leading our youth or children or greeter, regardless of the people that are in place, regardless of whether or not we change a program in the church, but instead our commitment is not to personalities or to programs, but our actual commitment is to one another. That's church membership. Do you understand that? And here's the deal. I don't want you to take this personally. It's not meant personally. But by not making a public commitment, it makes it very easy that if a decision is made that you don't like, peace out. If the pastor's politics don't line up exactly the way you want the pastor's politics, I'm out. Peace. I'll find another church that suits me exactly the way I want it to suit me. There's something very powerful about being a part of the body of Christ and saying, you know what, even so, programs change, people change, buildings change, things change. It's the nature of the world we live in. But the mission and the vision of God's church does not. And being willing to look at other people in the face and say, these are my people. This right here is the body of Christ that I'm a part of. And we're going to live out what it means to love God and love people and serve the world, even so. Even so. And I just want you to know, I'm really proud of you. you know, it's been a rough couple years. And, and, you know, there's just been a lot of change, a lot of transition. The fact that you're sitting here, and it feels again like I'm spanking everybody, including myself, but I'm just really proud of you. I'm really proud to be the pastor of this church because I'm hearing things and I'm seeing things and I'm seeing a connectedness. I watched a couple people embrace today and hug one another that I didn't even know knew each other. And I, I'm seeing that stuff take place. And it encourages my heart because it tells me that it's something that you want. It's something that you want. So on the screen, you're going to see, and we'll leave it up there for a couple minutes after the service is over. But uh, if you want to jump into the next, if you scan that, if you go in or if you go to the next steps card and scan that on the back, you can go, you can register. It does not mean, again, that you're joining the church. But if you just give me the opportunity to take you through a membership matters course and at least be able to address any questions that you might have about what church membership looks like or even the Church of the Nazarene, That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. We both win. And if you don't, that's okay. We're not going to be like, you're not a member. Sit in the back. Okay? That's not how that works. That's not how that works. But I would encourage anybody to have the opportunity to make a public declaration that this is, this is the body that I'm, I'm connected to. Does that make sense? It's not perfect. If you were expecting perfection, I'm sorry, you you won't get it next week or the week after or the week after that either. But we're all in this together. I hope you know I love you, and uh, we're moving forward. Fair enough? All right, I'm going to ask you to stand.
And again, happy Father's Day. And I uh, want to encourage you to grab those guys on the way out and uh, pray that you have a blessed day. Uh, we're two weeks away from that block party, so make sure you grab some invitations, invite some people, and uh, we're excited about doing that together. So, Father, thank you for your love and grace for us. Thank you, Father, for receiving us uh, and reaching out to us, for connecting to us. And now, Father, as we connect to one another, as we seek to serve one another and love one another, I pray that you give us wisdom to do that and, uh, and help us, Father, just to live out what it means to be the body of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here today.